We're continuing our discussion of Birkat Kohanim. And we just spoke about how one has to be respectful and stand in front of the Kohanim, not behind them. And so we're going to um, talk about other related halachot, about Tefillah, read the re- reading Sefer Torah, and a lot more about Birkat Kohanim as well. So Rabbah, the son of Rav Huna, teaches that once a se- the Sefer Torah is opened, that they're go- going to, to read, um, uh, do Kiryat Sefer Torah, one is not permitted to have a conversation. Even if you're talking about halakha, all the more so if you're talking about baseball, you're not allowed to talk during the time that the Torah is opened. How do we know that? Because in Sefer Nechemiah, when Ezra brings the Sefer Torah from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael and he builds a stage and he opens it for everyone and reads it. It says when he opened it, everybody stood up. Now that could mean literally they were sitting and they stand up, but this Gemara explains that no, it means that they were still, meaning they were quiet. They had been talking before and he opens the Torah and everybody became quiet. And where do we see that the word Amida can mean? Not just to stand up, but also to be quiet. From from Eov, it says, uh, "Shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stand still and answer no more?" So you see, Amidu is parallel to not speaking. Therefore, one is not permitted to speak during Kiriat Sefer Torah. Rabbi Zara says from a different pasuk, also in the same context of Nehemiah, it says that the ears of all the people were attentive to the reading of the Sefer HaTorah. So in order to pay attention, if you're talking to someone else about other things, then obviously you're not paying attention to the reading of the Sefer Torah. Okay, this is interesting because there is another Gemara that talks about Rav Sheshat, who would turn away from the Torah scroll and he would be studying Mishnah Talmud. And so how come that he was allowed to do that? What about this Gemara? And so the answer there could be that because he turned away, it might be there's not so many rooms, so he's in the, the back of the bed, can't sit while they're reading, uh, reading Torah, and uh, so he is he wants to study during that time. Um, so because he's turning the other way, it's oral law. He's uh, he studies all the time. Uh, so there's different explanations you can look at look at it here. Um, that's why he was allowed. But otherwise, um, everyone else needs to be paying attention um, and not talking about, not even about halacha. We had a whole series of laws from the from Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. So here's yet another one about Birkat Kohanim that a Kohen must wash his hands first. He has to go do Nutilat Yadayim, right? As they do today, the Levim go and help him out. And uh, um, as the Pasuk says, uh, lift up your hands and then bless God. So Se'u Yedechem means raising your hands by washing them, sanctifying your hands. Se'u Yedechem Kodesh, from the word Kodesh. Um, and only then, so sanctify your hands, make them holy, and only then bless Hashem.
שאלו תלמידיו את רבי אלעזר בן שמוע, במה הארכת ימים? רבי אלעזר בן שמוע lived a long time and his students asked him, what's the secret to your long life? אמר להן, מימי לא עשיתי בית הכנסת קפנדריה ולא פסעתי על ראשי עם קודש ולא נשאתי כפיי בלא ברכה. So three things. Number one, I never made this, a synagogue into a shortcut. Uh, if I needed, uh, you know, to get to get through to the other side of the building or other side of the street, and the synagogue is the shortest way. No, a bet knesset is holy. Holy means you use it only for its designated holy purposes. You go to a, into a bet knesset to pray, to study, uh, but not because it's raining out or because you want to take a shortcut. So that's number one. Uh, this law actually comes originally from the Bet HaMikdash. Like if you're on one side of the Temple Mount and you want to get to the other side, you can't walk through um, and use it as a shortcut. But we apply that also to Bet Knesset because that's a Mikdash Me'at. Uh, second thing that is that he never stepped over the heads of the of, of the sacred people. Um, in those days, when people people would sit on the floor if they were congregating for uh, to hear a shiur or something, so everybody was sitting on the floor. And let's say you come late. So just like today, you know, you come to a theater late, and then in the middle of the show, you have to make everybody stand up so you can uh, get into your row and get into your seat, and everybody gets annoyed. Um, so the same thing there, um, in order to get to his spot, if, if someone comes late, they would have to be stepping over big steps, like uh, that's why it says Pasati, and step over people's heads, which is very annoying to people, and, um, and these are they're holy people, so you shouldn't be doing that. So he made sure not to come late so that he, to the Shi'ur, so that he would be in his seat before everyone else, and he would not have to step on their heads. And the third thing, which is relevant to us, is he never did Birkat Kohanim without a Beracha. It sounds like uh, not everybody, not all Kohanim, uh, said, said a Beracha before that. They just, it was part of the Tefillah. You don't say Beracha for every part of the Tefillah. So um, he, he, uh, he say he would make, but he would make sure to say a Beracha um, before Birkat Kohanim. And uh, based on his, te- based on his example, that's what everybody uh, today uh, says a Beracha Kohanim today, say Beracha before Birkat Kohanim. What is the Beracha? Beautiful Beracha. And instead of the usual, Mitzvotav, and this is specifically to Kohanim. So Hashem that God made uh, Kohanim holy with the holiness of Aharon and commanded them to bless Israel, not just bless them in any way, but Behava with love. They, the Kohanim have to have that feeling of love in, while they're blessing. Um, and so that's just a beautiful kind of a, you know, a, a, a reminder of the Kohanim that they should be generous. As we saw yesterday, there should be Tov Ayin, right, generous and loving. Uh, there's a, good, a big question. Why don't Ashkenazim say Berkat Kohanim every day, only on holidays? Um, is a big question. It's not really clear what the answer is, but one answer I saw is that um, you have to be happy when you're, say, when you're giving Berkat Kohanim, and right, you can't be in a depressed mood. If you're in a depressed mood, then you're not going to be generous and loving. Uh, and so when are people happy on Yom Tov? They're happy. But in Ashkenaz, I guess, you know, there were otherwise, besides Yom Tov, things were uh, depressing, there were pogroms and things like that, and so they, uh, they, uh, they stopped saying Berkat Kohanim every day. But uh, in uh, Middle Eastern lands, 
um, I, I suppose they were happier, and so they said Berkat Kohanim every day, and it's clear from this Gemara that they said Berkat from from, from uh, this entire section of Gemara that they said Berkat Kohanim every day. Uh, that's the proper practice. Ki akar my amar. Now, uh, we're continuing, besides the Berachah that he said beforehand, what is the proper prayer to say? After it would be Allah ben Shamwa. I know he said a before, right? But what what should a Kohen say after he finishes saying Berkat Kohanim? And the answer is Yira Sumal Fanecha Shemelokenu Shete Berakha Zo Shesivitanu Lebarechta Mecha Israel Lo Yeheba Mikshol Vavon that the Kohen should say may be Hashem's will that the blessing that you have commanded us to bless should not have any stumbling block or iniquity. I hope I said everything right. And did it make a sin? I hope I said it with, with love and pronounced the words correctly. Uh, so, and after, after he finishes the Berachah, he says this prayer here, but then after that, um, uh, when uh, he's turning his face away from the congregation, right, it's completely done, and he's turning uh, back uh, back around, then he should add the following beracha. Um, uh, this is Rav Chista um, explained to Rav Ukva that this is how this is what you should teach the people to say. That uh, the Kohanim say, we have performed what you commanded us to do, right? We did the Birkat Kohanim, and so therefore, Hashem, please do to us what you have promised. And uh, what is what Hashem promised? That, Vani Abanechem, if the Kohanim do their job, then Hashem will come and in turn bless the Kohanim and affirm and uh, 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 the, the blessing that they gave to the to Bnei Israel, um, and uh, we continue with the beautiful pasuk: Hashkifa Hashem, look from your holy abode, right? Min Hashemaim, Uberechet Amecha Yisrael, and bless Bnei Israel, right? Uh, confirming that the Berachah does not come from the Kohanim; they are just conduits to say the Berachah, but the source of the blessing is from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Rav Chista adds that the Kohanim have to leave their hands outstretched the whole time, and they uh, and they cannot uh, bend their bend their fingers back until they turn away from the congregation, until they turn back around. Um, now, what's the source of this uh, of the uh, hand formulation for Berkat Kohanim in the first place? Uh, Gemara doesn't explain, but the Gemara says, uh, well, one is that it could might look like a sheen, right? You see here, like a letter sheen um, to spell out Shaddai. Um, another explanation is that it makes little little cracks, right? There's a crack here, um, crack here, and this is a reference to mesis min ha-charakim, that Hashem peeks through, even in the time when things are hidden, uh, when there's hastarat panim, um, and the beloved is hiding, uh, it is, uh, but the beloved is always looking through the cracks, right? Looking through the, 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 the window blinds to check on his beloved, and so too Hashem is uh, peeking through. Through, uh, kind of like if you do peekaboo and you you know you you uh, uh, open one eye uh, just a little bit to see. So that's the uh, symbolism that even though even if we don't see Hashem ex- explicitly, we just get a feeling, a sense of God's presence and providence in the world and in our lives. Okay, 
So that, because that's so important, uh, the Kohen should leave his hands that way until he turns around and shouldn't, um, shouldn't put his hands back to normal until he turns around. One more point about the hands is that Leonard Nimoy, who was Spock, right, he's the one that when the writers of Star Trek were trying to figure out well, what's going to be the Vulcan salute and they came up with all kinds of things and Leonard Nimoy says he remembers when he was a kid he, was, he went to peek under the talit to see what was going on under, under there and he remembers this hand gesture and so when the writers of Star Trek were looking for a hand gestures I got it I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this and that's how um, that's how the Vulcan salute popularized this ancient and beautiful um, uh, hand gesture that comes from the time from the Talmud Okay, um, Rabbi Zeran named Rav Chista said that the one who's calling to the Kohanim should not say Kohanim until everybody answers Amen to the previous Beracha. Uh, when when uh, the, the Chazan will say, um, uh, every, wait till everybody says Amen, and only then should the one calling the Kohanim say Kohanim. Because uh, so, otherwise, sometimes people, they jump the gun and they say Kohanim while everybody's answering Amen, and then they're not ready yet. And similarly, the Kohanim should not begin saying the Beracha until the one called, the, the announcer, the prompting them, finish, finishes prompting them. He should say Kohanim, and only then they should begin the Beracha. They shouldn't jump the gun. Um, after the Kohanim say each phrase, they should wait till the Kohanim finish saying the entire word, and only then the, the congregation should say, Amen. And the Kohanim should not start the next, the next Beracha, Yisa, uh, until everyone finished answering Amen. Right? And so this is important um, until today because a lot of times uh, the, there's a mismatch, a mismatch, a lot of Kohanim, some are faster, some are slower. There's uh, the congregation, there's a guy in the back who's yelling Amen and saying it for a long time. So you want to make sure that everybody keeps the pace so that they're not overlapping with each other. Incidentally, it looks like from this Gemara that the, the prompter would just say Kohanim, and then the Kohanim would go on their own and would say, Everybody would answer Amen. Yes, they would say the second Pasuk, everybody would answer Amen, and was not prompting each word, Yisa, Yisa, Hashem, Hashem. Um, it looks like that would be uh, a later development because uh, it doesn't say anything about that here, uh, perhaps in a time when the Kohanim didn't know it by heart. Not everybody was so literate, and so you needed uh, someone to prompt them each word. Um, but uh, uh, here in the original practice, the Kohanim would just say the, say the Pasuk themselves, and everybody would answer Amen. Uh, the Mephashim um, do have discussion about do you have to wait till most people answer Amen or till everybody, even that slow guy in the back who's, uh, who's uh, taking a long time, you have to wait even for him. More on the same theme that the Kohanim should not turn their faces back around from the from facing the congregation until the Chazan 
begin saying Sim Shalom. Right, really, Berkat Kohanim is part and parcel of the Berakha of Sim Shalom. It goes right into it. They say, Shalom. Everybody will answer Amen. And then immediately, Sim Shalom. Right, because it goes right into it. So we want to uh, connect the Berkat Kohanim to the Berakha of Sim Shalom. They should remain facing the congregation with their hands outstretched until Sim Shalom. Then they could turn around and only then put their hands back. And furthermore, the Kohanim have to stay up in the front on the stage um, and cannot move their legs, uh, move their feet from there until the end of the Berakha of Sim Shalom. Again, because Birkat Kohanim is part of this whole Berakha, and so they should remain standing there, uh, respecting, paying attention to that Berakha until the end of Sim Shalom. And this is a Halakha Lamaseh till today. Uh, sometimes some Kohanim don't realize this and they go and they walk off, right? They should stay there until uh, the end of the Berakha. All this uh, whole series in the name of Rabbi Zera, quoting Rav Chista. Okay, now this we're shifting back into Birkota Torah, uh, that and saying that the congregation should not answer Amen until the Ole finishes saying Birkota Torah, right? Uh, uh, Finish and then everybody answer Amen. Don't don't jump the gun. And furthermore, the Baal Kore should not begin reading the Torah until everybody says Amen. Don't start right away. Say right. Wait till they hear Amen. Then you start. Back in those days, and the Yemenites still do this today, the Baal Kore would read a pasuk, and then there was something, someone standing next to him translating each pasuk into the Aramaic, into Targumunculus which uh, was the main language in those days, so everybody would understand it. Also, Unkelus adds important, uh, important commentaries. And so we have to make sure that the translator does not uh, start before the Baal Kore finishes, to finish the Pasuk and then start. And then, same thing, the translator has to finish uh, the, uh, the, the reading the Targum, and when he, only when he's done, actually he's supposed to say by heart, um, he's supposed to pronounce the Targum, and only after he's finished, then the Baal Kore can read the next Pasuk. Another law from Rabbi Yosha ben Navi is that the one who's saying the Haftara and is reading the, in, in the Navi all the way at the end should not only read Navi, he should read some Pesukim of the Torah first in order to give proper respect to the Torah, that the Torah is the more important and therefore don't only read Navi, you want to give respect to the Ole, but also to the Torah itself, so acknowledge Torah, read some Pesukim, and only then um, read, uh, read the Haftarah, which is what we do today. And furthermore, the Maftir should not start reading the Navi until the Sefer Torah is rolled up out of respect to the Sefer Torah that uh, the guy's in the middle of rolling it and already the Navi starts, so you want to put it away properly and only then begin again. Um, now in uh, in uh, Middle Eastern Sifre Torah, it's very easy. You just close it. It takes uh, it takes one second. Um, uh, but in uh, for Ashkenazim and also Spanish Portuguese, they have the uh, 
the, the soft case that you have to roll, right? This is exactly what they do. They take a couple of minutes um, and uh, and Spanish Portuguese, they'll um, r- roll it up and give it to the person who will sit, Ashkenazim also, who will sit um, uh, back and carry, uh, holding the Sefer Torah. And only then, it takes, uh, takes, a, a, um, it takes a few minutes, only then will the Maftir began reading the Navi, which is good because then everybody can concentrate properly. Also, the prayer leader should not uncover the the uh, the, the the covering of the ark in public out of respect to the congregation. And those if he has to fix something, he has to change the, the covers um, uh, uh, or whatever reason, it should do it. He shouldn't do it when everybody's there because it's not respectful to the Sifre Torah or to the Aron uh, to do that in public while everybody is there. So do it in privately. Rav Shalom further taught that the congregation is not allowed to leave the room um, while the Sefer Torah is there, right? Sefer Torah is there, even if, let's say, they finished reading it. It's okay, we're, good, we're done. We're going to, uh, for the, to the uh, Kiddush Club. You no, know, you're not allowed to do that. This is a big problem. Um, until first, you have to take the Torah and put it in its proper place. Nowadays, we put it in the Aron Kodesh. In those days, it sounds like there was, the Sefer Torah was often kept in a room next door or maybe even another building. And so you have to go and put the Torah back where? In the, in the right place. And only then the Sibor can, can, can leave. Uh, Shemuel said, uh, no, you don't have to wait till the Sefer Torah gets to its proper place. Just you have to wait until the Sefer Torah is taken out of the room. And then some people will escort it to, the, uh, to its storage place. Um, but once it leaves the room, then other people can leave the room. Uh, now, it seems to be a contradiction. Do you have to wait until the Sef Torah gets to its resting place or just until it leaves the room? If there is another exit, uh, then, you, um, then you can leave. Once the once Sefer Torah leaves one exit, that's what Shemuel was talking about, then you can leave the other exit. And that's not considered improper because the Torah left the room and you're not leaving the same exit. So then you can sneak out the other exit. However, if there's no other exit except the one that the Torah is being taken out of, then if you're leaving, you should uh, go escort the Torah, make sure that it goes to a proper place, and only then go on your way. And we have a source for this um, in the Torah. It says, after Hashem, your God, you should walk. Meaning, you should walk after the Torah and not in front of it. Right? right not in front of it. Don't say, oh, I'm, I'm in a rush. I'm going to leave first. Right? Just like in a ceremony. Right? You, left, you let the, the bride and groom or the dignitaries. Right? They should, they, everybody stands on the side and lets them walk out first. And then everybody else walks out. So the Torah is our dignitary. Um, and you shouldn't sneak out or go in front of it until the Torah leaves. And then you go behind it. And now the next quote, we already discussed what the Kohanim are going to say at the end when they're before and after they're done. How about the people? What should they say during Berkat Kohanim?
So we have in the, these are all back to back in Mizmor 103, and they're all about the theme of blessing Hashem. So therefore, while the Kohanim are saying the blessing to the people, um, the people should be saying, we'll talk about in the next page exactly where they say it, let's say in between each of the, of the Pisukim that the Kohanim say, the people should say, um, blessed, as, uh, blessed is Hashem, the, uh, bless Hashem, his angels, bless Hashem, all his hosts, meaning the, all the things in the, in the sky, the ministers, um, bless Hashem in all the place of his dominion, everywhere in the universe. Um, so this is appropriate, not that Hashem needs our blessing. When we say, uh, when we say, Baruch uh, Et uh, Hashem, or any of these, Baruch Hashem, really means it's, uh, it's a say, saying praise, right? Um, and it's nice, if someone is giving you a blessing, it's only appropriate to give a blessing back. And therefore, this is a proper uh, recognition of, of thanks that the Kohanim are giving us Hashem's blessing, that we say words of blessing in return. And how about Musaf on Shabbat? Because then they already said Kohanim, and they said these, these, these same words in, uh, during Kohanim and Shacharit. So now, uh, Musaf, what should, they, what, what, what should they say? Right? We don't want to just repeat the same thing. Another Mizmor in Tilim that also talks about giving blessing to Hashem. So that's another nice place to do it. You see these two first two Pisukim are from Mizmor 134, and the last one is from Mizmor 135. So we ask, Why do you have to jump to the next Mizmor? In 134 itself, there's another Pasuk that has the word blessing. So why don't you say that one instead? Right? You say Pasuk 1, Pasuk 2, and then Pasuk 3 in that same Mizmor. Why are you jumping to the next, uh, to the next Mizmor? Dikhti uh, It's right there in the same uh, context. And the answer is Amar Yehuda Shimon ben Pazi Once we're talking about praising Hashem, when the first two Pesukim are about that, right? Baruch et Hashem. So then we should continue with the same theme, and the very next, next, next pasuk that has that theme is in the next Mizmor, Baruch Hashem. Whereas this pasuk, Yibaruch Hashem, is about Hashem blessing people. So we don't want to want to change it around. We want to be con- consistent and have all three pasukim be about um, people blessing Hashem. Uh, and now how about in the afternoon uh, of uh, Ta'anit, when you're also saying Berkat Kohanim, so what should we answer at that time um, that would be appropriate to the theme of the Ta'anit? And so we have three Pesukim here, all from Yirmiya chapter 14, back to back, Pesukim 7, 8, and 9, and they're all about uh, 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 the theme of Tachanun, right? Even if our if our if our sins testify against us, right? Hashem, uh, help us for your sake. At time of trouble, why are you being like a stranger? Uh, why you be why are you being like a man overcome as a mighty man who cannot save? Hashem, you can help us. We need your help now. And so it's calling upon Hashem. So adding prayers in the middle of Rikat Kohanim. So here it's a different direction. Uh, usually in the regular morning or on Shabbat and Musaf, Hashem is blessing us. We we say thank you by praying. 
praising Hashem in return, but in Ta'anit, we really need Hashem's help, and therefore, during the, during the time of blessing, we're going to add a further Tachanunim uh, to request Hashem's mercy. Uh, lastly, how about during Ne'ilah, where we also say Berkat Kohanim, what should be, what would be appropriate to say in that context, during Berkat Kohanim? Amar Mozut Rav, Amri Lav Matita, Hine Ki Chen Yeborech Ka'aber Yere Hashem, Yeborech Hashem Sion, Ureh Betubidu Shalom al Israel. Here we say three pesukim from Mizmor 128, also back to back, pesuk 4, 5, and 6. Um, that uh, just as a man who fears, uh, surely thus shall the man who fears God be blessed. Um, uh, Hashem should bless you from Sion uh, with all the good of Jerusalem all of, all of your life. Your children should see, you should see your grandchildren, and there should be peace upon Israel. And so here we're going the opposite direction. Uh, on the most days, when Hashem is when the Kohanim are blessing us, we are blessing Hashem in return. But here, when we're talking about Ne'ilah, and this is the final the final prayer of Yom Kippur, and this is the uh, the final chance. Uh, to receive a blessing, so we want to double down and ask Hashem to please right, bless the, uh, us and the nation and Jerusalem and all of Israel for a coming uh, year of goodness and peace and blessing. Uh, so that's a good and appropriate for that theme of, uh, of the Ne'ilah prayer. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.